Did you know VIP season ticket subscribers have access to this workshop and hundreds more in streaming video, MP3 download, audio CD, executive white paper summary, and podcast formats? Visit vip.dealersedge.com for more information. Welcome to this Dealer's Edge online training program featuring book samples with a workshop on understanding the automotive financial statement for general managers and dealership department managers. Brooke Samples is president of Profit Blueprints, a dealership management advisory service, and I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. Brooke Samples works with her automotive retailing clients on an array of financial performance issues, so there isn't much that she doesn't know about today's subject. About 25 years ago, I had my first consulting experience with a big dealership group, 10 stores, various franchises, and five locations. The owner had asked us to develop some pay-for-performance pay plans, so I had to ask to see his financial statements to get an idea of what performance actually was. This dealership owner, who traveled to work in a chauffeur-driven limo and owned a Learjet and a helicopter, looked at me and then looked at the top left-hand drawer on his desk. He then reached into the drawer, pulled out a stack of papers. These were his financials for the past two years. It was clear that neither the dealership owner nor his general manager had bothered to reading the statements, mostly because they didn't know how. That experience has been repeated many times over the last 25 years. This lack of financial statement literacy was especially apparent with a group of department managers for a large East Coast dealer group. Each of these managers had been with the organization for 10 years or more. They were responsible for sales, service, parts, and the body shop and they all admitted to not being sure what they were looking at when they got their monthly copies of the dealership statement. To be sure, they knew where to find what mattered most to them, gross profit and net profit. But the rest was just numbers on a page, might as well be written in a foreign language. So we thought it would be a good idea to present a quick seminar on analyzing the dealership financials. And based on the number of you who have registered for today's workshop, you thought it would be a good idea too. So joining us today is Brooke Samples, president of Profit Blueprints. Brooke, why don't you take it from here? Because we paid these expenses off of our gross profit, and we retained 13%. Not a bad number, but not where we would want it to be. Mike, are there any questions to this point? Uh, yeah, we have a few. Okay. Um, the question about cash. Okay. Uh, how do you know if you, how, how much cash is enough? How do you know if you've got enough cash in the dealership? Typically, of course, your your bank or lender may have a different opinion. One month's worth of your expenses is a good number. Now, I did a workshop last year on balance sheet where I dig more into that, but I think you know if you have one month's worth of expenses, you are in a good position. But it's not to say when you're looking at that we might move things to a cash management account if we have enough cash. I think last when I talked about the balance sheet last time, we had one dealer who called in and said that, you know, the management company takes all the profits out of the cash and leaves them in a stressful situation. So if that's your case, I would definitely look at last August's webinar on balance sheet because that's unfair to any manager to take. If you want to run a profitable business and grow it, you need cash to be able to work. And... You know, you've seen it before. If you have a really big weekend, 
you can be upside down if all of your down payments come from rebates and you've got trade-ins that you haven't sold. And you can be in a very tough cash, cash situation just because you sold a whole lot of cars. And if, you, if you're in a multi-location, multi-franchise dealership group, uh, how does that change? Does that have an impact or could it have an impact on the uh, financial statements? It would depend on how they account for the, you know, if, and I work with a lot of dealerships that have several franchises, and they have individual franchise statements, and they roll the other franchises into, like, miscellaneous income, or they're, you know, you would have to ask the controller how that is taken into account because, again, there's a, there's a whole wide variety of ways that people can do it, and that's why this is difficult to give people exact answers for that particular question. So it's so possible to, It's possible then that if you have a, a central location that pulls, pulls cash from, from all the dealerships uh, every night, that, that your individual dealership could look like you have a, a negative cash balance? It, I, I, again, I don't know exactly how they would be working. I mean, I would hope that they wouldn't. Of course, they'd be looking at the actual bank statement, and there could be cash management accounts. Okay. So, I'd, again, speak with the controller and see how it's taken care of. But the controller's the one that's sucking all the cash out. They're the ones who are struggling and trying to run around collecting cash every day. So if you're in that situation, that's why they're, telling you to collect cash because <laughs> the money got sucked out. So, you know, turning those assets is, is a very valuable tool for them. All right. Um, why do you want to charge coupons uh, to as a cost of sale rather than as a, uh, an advertising cost? Well, a lot of that, it, when we, I always ask myself, what would sales do? And if we discounted a car in the sales department, we would not put that discount into advertising. We did not collect that money in any way, shape, or form. So if people are paid on gross profit or depending on how they're, you know, or sales, whatever, we are overpaying because we're paying on money we did not see, we did not get, and it's, it'll screw up some of your reporting, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But I'm a firm believer that I only want to pay commission, I want to pay fair commission, but I only want to pay on what we actually have in our hand. And putting in it as an expense just makes that advertising expense. And there are some cases when it's, you know, the discount is the customer's paying with their points that they got. And that's cash, and this doesn't really, should not affect what the commission is. But, you know, they're using their plan to use those points to pay, and then that's a different, you know, that's an advertising. But if you have a coupon for $20 off, it's not advertising. The advertising to print the coupon, to send the coupon, all of that is advertising. The rest is an adjustment of what you're doing to be able to bring that income into the dealership. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, jumping around a little bit on me. Uh, will we be talking at all about benchmarks? What, what, what are good targets for some of these numbers? Well, not particularly because I did two or three webinars on it, and they, each one of those took an hour. Okay. So we won't be covering exactly. There may be a little bit of benchmarks, but not not to the point of where. I mean, I, I spent an hour on it last time, so, so right. I want to be able to get through some of these other topics on the financial statement. Okay, so if you if you look in your Dealer's Edge library, uh, you should have other uh, webinars by Brooks Samples. Uh, 
Yeah. And it's, in the, it's in the bottom of their handouts, too. So. Okay, okay, great. Uh, okay, but, yeah, so you, if you Google my name or put my name in there, you will see the ones for service, the ones for sales, right. benchmarks in general, balance sheet. So there's, there's a plethora of opportunities to dig deeply into that. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, and uh, Matt just sent in a comment. Uh, you are correct. Uh, advertising is just the cost of a mailer, uh, but it is but the the coupon is really a cost is a cost of sale. So yeah. Oh, thank you. Yay! In one of the examples, you showed something called floor plan underneath the liabilities. What is a floor plan? Okay. When you, unless your dealership's got multiple millions of dollars, floor plan is what the fact. It's not necessarily the factory, but that's like a loan on your inventory. So you can have new vehicle, used vehicle. So for and it's, they're not going to be dollar for dollar because of other issues in between. But your floor plan is on the liability side is what you owe, whether it's GMAC or <laughs> whether it's that's an oldie, or against your inventory. And that's important to keep those numbers fairly close because I didn't want to get into them being too far apart, but. We want to keep those close. We want to pay off the vehicles when we sell the vehicles. Is it possible to have a floor plan balance that's higher than what you're showing as inventory? Yes. And that, that happens very frequently on a financial statement okay. because we haven't paid off the vehicles. We've, we removed them all for inventory, but we haven't paid the factory yet. We're going to pay them on the first of the month. And that is very common to be off by a variance of 5, 10, just depends on how many deals come to the office at the end of the day or end of the month. Okay, um, we sometimes have issues with with technicians moving from a, a flat rate or flag position to a position that's uh, just hourly, but nobody tells the payroll department. Uh, what kinds of problems can that cause for us on the financial statement? Well, if if the accounting is reconciling the work in process, when it comes down to it, it's not going to change the financial statement because one way or the other, we're going to account for that technician's cost. If we're not adjusting and reconciling the work in process, it could cause a problem down the road. You know, you're, they, it may not be the right gross profit, but technically accounting would pick that up, make the adjustment in that account called adjusted work or labor in process, you know, labor account on the financial. And every financial statement has that to adjust. All right. Um, okay. Should our, our free oil changes, should, should oil, free oil changes go against the selling gross or posted as advertising? That is probably an advertising, but it's one of those things to me that the sales department, if they're using that as a closing tool, that's why I mentioned reserve that somebody's got to pay for it, whether service, you know, especially if you've got a vehicle that's going to have free oil changes until we can finally get out of it. It's going to be many years, so the customer actually needs some work. Work, So that's a whole other topic. Um, is there a standard practice for dealing with wheels on a sold car? Every car should have a wheel, even if it says we owe the customer nothing. And... There should be a price on there, so we set that up in its own WEO schedule. So if we owe the customer an upgraded stereo system or new wheels or something, we put it in there, we use that cost, and we set up a schedule with that cost in there. But, you know, having deals that don't have anything in it 
is just asking for a problem. So we wanted to say we owe the customer nothing or we owe them this, and that's all we owe them. Okay. Uh, suppose, where do you put things like uh, sort of thank you gifts for a customer buys a car uh, and we give them something, we send a plan yeah, I would for say probably like promotions. Okay. So more of a, an advertising. It, it would be, to me, it would be an advertising promotion, hoping that they tell everybody how thrilled they are with you. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm going to move uh, on to, I'm sorry. Well, let me, uh, yeah, because I think I have a couple more. Okay. Uh, on accounts receivable, uh, is there a policy you can recommend for uh, employee accounts receivable uh, if, if the employees are having their cars fixed in the dealership? <laughs> I think if we go back to my my uh, balance one, she was like, oh, why are we, you know, they got credit cards, and, you know, so I think the policy should be they can take it all out of their next paycheck, but we're not a bank. There are banks that lend money. That's where we need to direct our employees. Okay. And one, one more before we move ahead. Okay. Uh, let me, actually, it might be two more. All right. When a technician is sent out for training, should that should that labor be booked to the to training expense yes. uh, and deducted from work in process? It should not even enter work in process. And okay. If you you know if. If, in fact, you flag the tech and you put it, it goes into work and process, you would need to open a repair order to training expense to relieve that work and process account and charge it to training expense. But ideally, you just post it to training expense when you pay it. And that's how those work and process accounts can get so messed up if something gets posted. That's why it's so critical to reconcile it against your open repair orders, against your general ledger balance, and keep that as clean as possible because you don't want to be in a situation where you're writing off $12,000 or more. Okay. Uh, next question is from Dan, who runs a totally hourly shop. Uh, okay. What, what types of unproductive time uh, can you think of? You mean like what if did, you're having those hourly people clean the shop? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do some maintenance around the shop? <laughs> yeah, I know there are various, various things that usually just gets lumped into is unapplied time or, yeah. or something. I mean, I would open a repair order for that. If I have them, you know, every day, you know, mopping the shop up, I would open a repair order and charge that out. And that moves them from your personnel expense to the actual expense where they, what they're really doing. If they if they fix a lift, then open a repair order for that, move it out of the personnel expense or off of the work and process and put it to maintenance repairs. There's nothing that says that you have to open a repair order for a customer. You can open it for your own self to move some of those, and you have documentations of who you've paid to do what. Okay. Uh, and actually, Dan sort of asked this question that's also on the list. What is unapplied time? If we – oh, that's a huge one. Dan, if you can email me, my email's on here, I will send you a, the diagram and everything on that because that's a 10-minute discussion on that, and I'll be happy to, to – Send you documentation because I answer that question frequently. On open re open repair orders, mm -hmm. uh, how long can you leave them open? What's what's the <laughs> longest you could you could leave a repair order open uh, that that's not uh, associated with a recall? Well, if it's you know as far as a warranty ticket until you're you know depends on what your manufacturer says. <laughs> Sixty days. You know, I usually I see internal on there that they haven't bothered closing. You keep those clean. I mean, I, I, I get very frustrated with my clients when we talk about that because they don't, 
to me, it's, it's so important to keep that particular report clean. So, so internals might be the uh, repair orders that work has been completed, but nobody bothered to close it out. Uh-huh. Uh, how about on customer repair orders? How, how long would you leave one open? Well, the rule is, is the car is there, the repair order can be open. If the car is not there, that repair order has got to be closed. Okay. So at the end of the month, you take your list of open repair orders and then touch every vehicle that's not okay. there. I'm not going to hold it open because somebody's going to come back and bring me a check for it. No. Okay. Uh, okay. I know we don't want to get too far into benchmarks, but you, could you give us a, a good target uh, as net, pro net profit as a percentage of sales? Let's, and let's start with a total dealership. Net, as a percentage of, yeah, I hate this per sales. I can do it as gross profit, only okay. because sales are so arbitrary. Dealerships run between 2.5% to up to 6% of the sales. We look, and that, that will be the one I do as sales. But okay. as gross profit, 30% would be good. 25% is a good job. It depends okay. on the manufacturer. Sales, and again, this is tough because of the difference between financial statements, but service, when all expenses are in, we're looking for 25% at least, mm -hmm. body shop, 20 to 25%, parts department, running usually about 45%. And again, facilities, if you've got a brand new facility, that's gonna, might, some of these challenges might be tough. So you, that's why start with your own numbers and always look to be improving. But, okay. you know, Ford uh -huh. and, and Chrysler are going to be different numbers on theirs because of the expenses. On the financial statement, there are some categories like other and miscellaneous, like, like mm -hmm. other wages and salaries mm -hmm. and other income and other expenses. Uh, where can we go to get detail on those, those categories? you got to head to the accounting office. And that's why it's important for those accounting people, because I was in that job for many years, and I had to be able to stand behind the numbers. So that's why we want to make sure our payables people know this. But go to the county and say, what's going on? How in the world could I spend $3,000 on something miscellaneous? I don't even know what it is. Yeah. And if, if there's a problem with the county giving you that detail, then I would, have, I would I hate to say this, I'd have to go to the owner <laughs> and say, look, I can't make more profit if I don't know what's going in my account. I don't know what my expenses are. All right. We had a, I had a, an experience where I did have to go to the owner. Yes. Because th things just didn't look right. Other wages and salaries in the service department are typically the service advisors. Uh, and could be uh, quarters and whatnot, but uh, but the what numbers it yeah. didn't look right. What we're and seeing so, now is this as biggest challenge is they're you know getting hit with BDC staff, mm -hmm. and we haven't adjusted our pay plans to reflect that somebody else is doing right. the job that other you know advisors yeah. used to do. So that's a big challenge. So well, our, our exercise was to match was 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 to put names, find names that went into that, those categories. Who was being paid out of there? And it was a real surprise because we found out that. Uh, there was a, yep. a whole a whole team of flat rate technicians. We said, Who, "Who's that? Who's that? Who's that?" I said, "Oh, he's a flat rate technician. He's a technician. He's a Chevy technician." And so, what's he doing in other other wages and salaries? He's that he's supposed to be up there in cost of sale. And it turned out that the uh, the fixed operations director got paid based on net, on gross profit uh, from from service and parts. So he wanted. In order to make his gross profit look higher, he took some expenses out of sales and put it, put it in other wages and salaries. So it was an eye-opener for the dealer. Yep. That's why asking uh, questions, yep. most important thing you can do.
Yeah, what is that? Why is that? We had another one uh, quickly before we sign off. Uh, I, I was looking down a list, and I saw somebody called the assistant used car manager for a dealership. I said, I said who is that? I've never, I haven't met this guy yet. Where is he? I haven't seen him. And they just laughed at me, and they said, oh, that's, that's the son of the head of our union. Uh, he, he, need, he needed the job, and in order to keep things peaceful, we made him assistant used car manager. So he just comes in on payday. Um, so anyway, paid to ask. They knew about it, but... Uh, mm-hmm. but, but, but now you know, ask. right? Can't right. do anything about it, so... <laughs> okay, so that is the end of our questions. Uh, you've got Brooke's contact information there in front of you. She's invited you to give her a call or send her an email. Check out her website. Uh, if you have questions, and I know there, there are quite a few uh, that, that you're going to have and that we just couldn't deal with today, they, they're too deep, too intricate. <clears throat> um, also, there was a list of other workshops that, that uh, Brooke has done for Dealer's Edge. Uh, if you have access to your, your Dealer's Edge library, uh, they're all in there. Uh, if you're looking for benchmarks, you'll have more benchmarks than you, you'll know what to do with. Uh, if you go to that library and other ideas on, on how to use the financial information that you get in the dealership to improve performance. Also, uh, take advantage of, uh, of the worksheet that Brooke put together. Uh, go to that, uh, uh, that the website, that uh, the link that Brooke gave us, uh, if you want to get that and, uh, uh, and go to work on, uh, on, on better analysis of your financials. Uh, and I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. We had a very large crowd, bigger than we've had in a long time. I thank you for all of you for taking time out of your day to spend it uh, with Dealer's Edge. Also like to thank special thanks to Brooke Samples, president of Profit Blueprints, for taking her time today to share her experience and expertise with us and for the time it took to put today's workshop together. Brooke, thank you very much. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for attending. And please, I, I want everybody to be successful. And you can only get that by, by knowing information. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we're going to sign off for today. Thank you. I'd like to thank all of you. And hope you can join us again for our next workshop.